Amen. Isn't God good? This evening and the morning, all the time. Um, Elder asked me to say a word. You can take your seats now. Um, thankful for another opportunity to be a willing vessel unto the Lord. I give honor to my elder and his wife and my bishop and his wife. Um, so let me pull out my notes. <laughs> the place that I wanted to start at today was um, Colossians 2, and I would want to start at 1, verse 1. Some context here would be the Apostle Paul writing a letter to this church, obviously, and he, in this specific chapter, he is, he is correcting something. And, but he starts off with a little bit of um, a pat on the back, as you say, for this church. It says, For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you, and for them at Theodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might not might be comforted, being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Keep that in mind. We'll come back to that. For though I am absent in flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order, and the steadfastness in your faith in, faith in Christ. As ye have there, oh wait, I'll stop there. So this is, like I said, him giving them a pat on the back. Some context, more context. This is the early church right here. They're going up against a lot of philosophers. A lot of the old religious ways are still being um, sorted out, and then there's even more people in this day and age who are, um, how do you say, they're trying to be like Paul. They're trying to have these divine revelations, but it's always contested by Paul. So it says, uh, you can go to the next one. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Rooted and built up in him, and established in faith, as ye have been caught abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you, though, philosophy and vain deceit after the tra tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For him dwelleth all in the fullness of the bo uh, Godhead bodily. And so when I was reading that earlier, some things really stuck out to me was that he mentioned this idea of staying focused twice. So like I said, I'm going to read this in another translation, this one that Elder Flower uses, the Good News Bible. I like that as well. Um, so where I told you to put a bookmark in is Verse 4 in Colossians 2, it says, I will tell you then, do not let anyone deceive you with false arguments, no matter how good they may seem. A little bit more cut and dry than what we heard before. 
There's a lot of arguments going on, a lot of people trying to decide what is real, Christ's divinity, who, is, who has the divinity, a lot of discussion, right? And so, we move on to the next part where he goes ahead and mentions this again in um, verse 8. Oh, no, actually, I'll go back to verse 6. This is in the Good News Bible again. Um, Since you have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, live in union with him. Keep your roots deep in him, build your lives on him, and become stronger in your faith as you were taught, and be filled with thanksgiving. See it to you, then, that no one enslaves you by the means of worthless deceit of human wisdom. That was one other thing that was, you know, highlighted in my head about human wisdom. Wisdom is the love for, um, way philosophy is the love for wisdom. And so you might think that's opposite of what God wants, right? God wants us to be wise. God wants us to to take into account all the options and be able to make a good decision with critical thinking skills. However, it goes on to say, and like I said in this translation, which comes from the teachings handed down from human beings, from ruling spirits of the universe, and not from Christ. So that's the big deciding factor right there that tells me what Paul is talking about, what this church is going through in a sense that there's a lot of people saying that there is a way that's different than what they already know. But if we were to go back, something else that really caught my attention says, keep your roots deep in him, build your lives on him, and become stronger in your faith. That would make the difference between this church and another church is that they're not just, because back in this day and age, these guys, they had um, these philosophers that kind of had nothing to do all day. And that's where a lot of the critical thinking skills came from, right? There is this one guy who thought about his own reality, making sure that he existed, right? Everyone knows that I think, therefore I am, right? (laughs) But us as, if we're rooted in our faith in Christ, we know that not only are we real, but we have a purpose in him as well. And that in itself is his own purpose for us. And then, like I said, in verse 8, see it then that no one enslaves you by the means of worthless deceit. This is another funny thing. He calls it worthless deceit of human wisdom. He calls it worthless. It reminds me of that one passage where um, Paul is also writing to another church where he says that what I do for myself is like dirty rags. It's about the same subject. He's saying whatever humans can concoct, whatever humans think is good is not really because not all of us are good good, right? The only good one is, is God. God is good. And so that tells me that when relying on these concepts, these foundational concepts like wisdom, peace, joy, righteousness, it's better to rely on a more objective position than, you know, one of these philosophers or one of these people who make good arguments like how he mentioned. They're not even philosophers. They're just people who create a lot of, what did it say? Oh, I had a word for it. (laughs) 
a lot of buzz for a certain subject, a lot of speculation, that's what they call it. A lot of speculation, a lot of kind of trendy um, definitions for such things, but we have the objective point of view for each of these concepts when we look to God. I remember one of my friends, he was asking about a verse, you know, he was talking about um, what that passage where we want his peace, his joy, his righteousness, right? But he, would, he didn't read it that way. He read it as in, we need peace, joy, and righteousness, right? He said, how do I get to the position where I can fulfill this verse? But what I told him is that you're not, I mean, I wouldn't want to tell him you're not reading it right, but the key part in there is it's Christ's joy. It's Christ's peace. It's Christ's righteousness. So there's no way you can make up some kind of false joy, righteousness, and joy, um, and peace. And that's something that really stood out to me when I was reading this passage, is that it has to do with foundations. This day and age where someone can look you in the face and tell you everything about your beliefs is wrong, right? Nowadays, it's always been like that, especially back here in this day and age where he's talking to the people in Colossians, uh, the, the Colossians. So that's how I saw it was very relevant to nowadays is that we can be questioned and then we can be accused. People can have good reasoning. However, since we have the word of God to fall back on though, since we have these foundations, we shouldn't be shaken, right? If we believe in these with all our hearts and if we have the faith to see it through to the end, we shouldn't have a problem. Our foundations shouldn't be shaken. However, sadly, that's not true 100% of the time. Uh, there's a lot of people in my life, a lot of people around me, you know, far off. It's like how I mentioned before that their foundations get shaky and they fall out. And it's very unfortunate. And as the body, those are the people that we need to keep in, you know, contact with, the people that we need to keep praying for, keep the hope that they're going to return back to the truth. And after that, it's talking about the, um, the ideal circumstance where everyone has a circumcision, but we don't need to dwell into that because that's a whole different type of topic. So... Amen. Praise the Lord. I think that, uh, you know, there's Greek mythology and philosophy may not be as prevalent today, but I think Brother Timothy's spot on. It shows up. It's, it is relevant for today because you want the, uh, how, to, how to say it, you want the philosophy, the vain deceit, traditions of men, uh, just turn on CNN, <laughs> turn on Fox, turn on any really media today, and those those voices, the, the word that's been in my mind and a phrase that's been in my mind and spirit is, is contrary wind. And um, two Sundays ago when, when Brother Bartell was here, it struck me and 
such an interesting way in the prayer room before service and felt the Lord just drop that, those two words in my spirit, contrary wind, contrary winds. And um, man, it hasn't left me for, for the last, I guess, b- about a week now. And so in a, in a way going along with this where, where we, where Brother Timothy left off, um, if you have your Bibles, I'm still trying to decide where I want to start here, but let's start with Matthew 14 and 22. Man, I want to be rooted and grounded in Him. I, I can't help but think of the, the story of the little pigs <laughs> in their houses, right? You had, I don't remember all of them now, but one built a house out of straw, one was sticks, and one was bricks, and you know they each ran from house to house as the big, big bad wolf followed them and huffed and puffed and blew their house down. And obviously the moral of that story is build a strong house, <laughs> stay away from the wolf if you're a pig because he wants to, uh, wants to eat you. <laughs> Matthew 20, Matthew 14, verse 22. That probably has nothing to do with <laughs> anything, anything else that we're going to talk about. But, uh, and this is actually a story Brother Bartell spoke on uh, Sunday. Uh, and straight away, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitude away. Uh, and when he sent the multitudes away, he went up to a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea. So the disciples obeyed. They pushed off. And now they're in the middle of the sea. And they're in the middle of the sea, and they, were, they began to get tossed with the waves. For the wind was contrary. Everyone say contrary. Contrary. It's a pretty simple definition. It's just that which is against or that which is opposite or opposing. And in this instance with this story, it's pretty easy to understand. It's They were sent by God in one direction. So this contrary wind was opposing <laughs> them going in that direction. It was pushing against them, pushing back on them. And, and you'll notice that the following verse, the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And the disciples, they saw him. And, and I, I won't read it all for sake of time, but long story short, we realize as, as he arrives that their faith had, had quickly uh, been affected by their circumstances <laughs> the the contrary wind and and the waves that they could see and the wind that they could feel was was sure enough you know testing their faith and we see that being the case is in verse 31 Jesus tells them oh you of little faith wherefore did thou doubt and i think what's powerful in this story is not just the fact that Jesus walks to them on water and 
Peter walks on the water and those things Brother Bartell mentioned about walking. But what's important in this story, I believe, is when the wind gets contrary, it's important to remember the word of the Lord and to remember that he said, go to the other side and I'm going to meet you there. And I believe that's what Jesus was questioning and wondering, why did you waver? Why did you have any, any lack of faith? But I told you to go to the other side, and I was going to meet you there. Your circumstances and the, the contrary wind, the things that would push against you and try to oppose you, they, they should have had no, no effect, and they should have been no factor in, in the faith that you had. But they quickly went from the faith of, their previous situation to walking in the flesh and seeing in the flesh and losing, losing faith. Uh, another story, and you don't have to turn there, but in Acts 27, these are just the two, two passages that came to me on that Sunday. Acts 27, Paul is, is being shipped to Rome, and he gives his two cents, his wise counsel, saying, you know, we should just, we should winter here, we should probably stay here, and they, they choose to ignore his advice, they listen to the captain of the boat, and a few verses later, the wind was contrary, but they didn't heed the counsel of Paul, who said it wasn't wise to sail, and what was the end result? Shipwreck. And a wind that, that arose, a wind that was so great it had, had its own name. It was Arachlodon, this wind that was, um, and I, I, every time I try to say it, I can't, but tem- tempestuous or a great tempest of, of the wind that arose um, and caused the waves to be great and caused them to, again, switch into the natural, switch to what they could see instead of the word from God. And in that story with Paul, he, he eventually gets visited by an angel, and, and there's no evidence that he necessarily ever doubted, but he gets visited by an angel in the night that tells him it's going to be okay, and he encourages the people. And at one point, they end up casting all the excess weight overboard, all these things that might weigh him down that keep him from going to their intended location. But the wind was contrary. But regardless of that contrary wind, they, in each of these stories, they had a destination. They had a point that was intended by God to, to get to. And for, for each of us, no doubt, and, and the, like those scriptures that Timothy read, there's, there's so many things, whether it's and I have another verse here, actually. may not have wrote it down. Oh, yeah, here it is in Ephesians. Uh, if you want to turn with me, actually, to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And I find this so interesting, the context here of this. Um, this is another verse that came to my mind, but it was just today that I looked at the verses preceding. Um, in Ephesians 4, verse 11, says, He gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. 
for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Amen. I don't know about you, but I want each of those voices of ministry in my life because I know that I'm not near the point of perfection that I believe that God has for for me as an individual and as a member of the body of Christ. And continuing verse 13, it says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, or fullness of Christ. Christ being being our measure. Christ being that standard. Then we henceforth, and this is what it all comes down to, we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. And you'll notice tossed to and fro sounds, sounds a lot like those apostles in the boat in, in the sea where the contrary wind rises up or the wind of, of doctrine rises up, they would say, you know, these things that Jesus, your rabbi, is teaching you, there, those things are pretty extreme, you know. You, you were doing okay as a fisherman, and now you've, now you've maybe learned a few other life lessons. You don't have to, maybe you can turn this way and not have to continue going in that, that way. Maybe you don't have to actually surrender your whole life to him, right? And tossed to and fro there and amazing to me because it's not only to be tossed by the waves but it's it's to be agitated like the waves but more specifically to be agitated mentally so as as children and this is the purpose of of the ministry this is the purpose of of apostles evangelists prophets pastors and teachers to to bring us to this point of of a maturity of a, of a place in, in our walk with God where, where waves and contrary wind can't so easily just turn us off the course that we're supposed to be walking on. And they'll, they'll cause us, because, you know, it's, there's a lot of wind and, and noise out there, doctrine and other things that would try to fill our mind and just simply distract us. But there's also those things that would just try to agitate us mentally try to keep us from being able to get any focus in prayer or any focus in, in the Word of God. And, you know, we may be having a good prayer meeting and feel like we get, get a little inspiration and something that, okay, maybe this is from God. And, but that wind continues to come and just beat against our mind and agitate us and cause us to doubt and question, man, was, was that really from God or am I just, you know, thinking these things? Am I just inserting my own thought into scripture or anyone else relate with those thoughts the agitation the the wind of of this world especially within the mind realizing and it's not original with me but the the battleground of of satan is is in our mind and second corinthians 2 verse 11 and for the sake of time, I won't go into the context of it, but it says, lest Satan should get 
advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And his main device is to get into our mind. The word devices there is, it's a mental perception or a thought. Specifically, it's an evil purpose. The devices of Satan are evil thoughts with evil intentions. They come as, they come subtly, they come as a little breeze in the night that, you know, might feel, just feel cool and comfortable and what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Just kind of lure me in and make me think, well, this, you know, this, this preacher, he might be charismatic, he might have no standards, but he's not that bad. <laughs> There's inspiration that I get there, right? And um, I have to hold myself back <laughs> when <laughs> I have college friends who they'll send me, send me preachings every now and then. And I got one. Someone sent me by, I think it was Stephen Furtick or something. <laughs> Man, I sort of lit up. <laughs> because there's, there's an importance of sound doctrine, <laughs> The gospel of Jesus Christ that's rooted and grounded, as Timothy said, in, in the word of God. There's, it's, still, it's still necessary and it's still important that we, that we push up against those contrary winds. That we not just say, you know what, well, it's, I'm just going to sail where I sail. <laughs> I'm just going to flow where I flow. And it's interesting because if you look in, in one of my favorite scriptures, uh, John chapter 3, Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus here. And I want to, I, I, I feel like the Holy Ghost wants to help us to, to not be ignorant of the enemy's devices. And you know, the way, the way that Satan works is nothing with Satan is original. Everything that Satan does is is uh, in a mimic of of something, most likely something that he saw God do, or something that he's learned from from Scripture himself. We even see in the temptations of Jesus in the wilderness, Satan using Scripture, trying to use Scripture against Jesus Christ, and how foolish <laughs> how foolish that was. But imagine Satan, in his thousands of years of experience and knowledge of the Word of God coming to a, a child who's not submitted, a child who has offense or has no root or ground in the Word of God, has no root or ground in the church, and, and coming and saying, you know, this scripture or this scripture, you, know, you can justify another instance with Bible school, <laughs> Bible school people. You can justify a little bit of, a little bit of alcohol, right? Because didn't Paul say that to Timothy? little wine for your stomach's sake and taking something completely out of this <laughs> out of this culture and trying to make it fit to you and justify your own actions and it's nothing new it's nothing it's no new tactic that that Satan would try to use to deceive us even with the very word of God and and that's why it's so important and this is why I said it it kind of amazed me the context there in Ephesians when it talks about being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, 
the fact that it precedes that with that he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And I, you know, I've, I've been raised in, in Life Church. We, me and Bishop were talking about it a little bit before service and reflecting on it from last weekend. But I, I, there's hardly a, I won't say a day, but there's hardly a week that goes by that I don't think about my submission because I can never get to a point of, of maturity where, I, where I'm good and I don't need a pastor or I don't need a, a bishop or, or I don't need a, a prophet in my life or a teacher. There's no point of, of maturity that we can get to as, as children of God where we don't need that place of authority in our life. Because the second we do, the second we think that we're good, the second we think that we, you know, are keeping, keeping with kind of the analogy of a ship, the second we think, you know, we're the biggest ship in the sea, <laughs> there's going to be a big gust of wind that's going to come and blow us off course. And then it's going to be so subtle that we're not even, we may not even necessarily, necessarily realize we're off course. Because it's just one little degree of variance, one little degree of, of change from, from the course that we were supposed to go, from the intended course. But because we didn't have some things aligned when it came to the places of authority that God put in our lives, that wind of doctrine, the tossing of the waves in the sea, can, can crush us, can kill us. But John chapter 3 said all that to say, you know, the devices of Satan, he gets his, he gets his material from, from God. He tries to, I, I had someone give me the example one time. He, I don't think he had a bill, but he, he used the example of a $100 bill. And he said, how, how do you know a, a counterfeit $100 bill? And it's, you, don't, you don't learn all the things that are, that are missing and, and the feel of the counterfeit, but you know how the real one looks. You know how the real one feels. And, so, and there can't be a counterfeit without there being an original, without there being a real thing. So everything that Satan does is, is a lie and is, is a counterfeit. And we see here in, in John chapter 3, again, Jesus speaking to Nicodemus about seeing the kingdom of God and being born again. And we'll start with verse 5. Verily I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter to the kingdom of God. And that's still true today. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. And then watch this comparison. Again, a familiar verse, but this comparison Jesus makes here. The wind blows or bloweth where it listeth. It's, the wind's going to blow wherever it wants to. And you hear the sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> that there's, there's contrary winds and there's winds of, 
There's winds of doctrine. Again, not good doctrine, but doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness and those that want to wait in deceit. It's, it comes in winds. And, and the reason I know that that's, that's subtlety is because, because of this verse right here, that the wind of the Spirit of God is, is it's using the same example, the same illustration of wind. And so it should be no surprise to me. I, sh- it sh- I should not be ignorant of the enemy's devices when those little thoughts come into my mind and into my mentality, the, the agitation of the enemy. And, you know, it can be something as simple as stubbing my toe <laughs> in the morning and changing the course of my day and, and filling my mind with thoughts of frustration and rage and then me directing that towards a coworker or towards God forbid, towards a family member. But as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And I was, again, from this weekend, from some comments that, some time with Bishop, some things he said, just reflecting on on my life and and the course of, of my life, and you know, Bishop, I, I, I had a little, little thought. I didn't know if we would all share, but I had a little thought of um, what my greatest—I uh, can't remember how you worded the question—but what my greatest appreciation for Life Church is. And um, I, the structure, yes, yeah, the structure of Life Church. And I'd have to say it's it's the, and I don't really know how to put it, but just the willingness to allow the spirit to flow and and we've said it before the multi multi vessel single voice type of flow of the holy ghost and i can i can truthfully say i've i've grown up and i've grown up with a desire with an expectation as well but a a desire to to find and to live in that flow <laughs> and you know, I don't, I don't really, I don't express it a lot, publicly at least. <laughs> but when I, this, I mean for myself, but especially, you know, brothers, sisters, or people in the world, when I see <laughs> just winds of opposition and things that whether it's offense or just a cultural thing when I when I see those things trying to take someone off course and off track man it makes me angry Sorry, I don't know. I don't know why I'm so emotional. But we have to we have to have an awareness and a sensitivity to to the wind of the spirit of God to be able to set our sails the way that he wants to go. 
and back to the story of, of the apostles, what it all starts with is hearing a word from God, <laughs> hearing his direction, his voice, knowing his voice and confirming his voice through our elders, through our pastors, through, through those that we have as in a place of authority over us. Because we're not gonna be we're not gonna be led astray with multiple voices of of godly counsel, the the voices that God's placed in our life, not not voices of inspiration on YouTube and and anywhere else out there, but but godly voices that that God's placed in our life that can not only tell us to go here, but can also tell us to sit down and <laughs> sit down and be quiet. I want to be led by the Spirit of God, amen. And I don't want to be deceived in these last days. I want to be rooted and grounded in the Word of God. Be rooted and grounded in truth, amen. And who wants this? Just leave it here. You know, let me give you a little backdrop here. For a couple of weeks, I've been like the guy that said, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. There was something God gave me, and I'm thinking, boy, at the first opportunity, this is all going to just spill out. And so, last Tuesday, I was kind of hiding spiritually. You know, don't call on me. Don't call me because I had direction that I felt like where I was supposed to speak it, spill it out. And it wasn't here. And so I'm thinking, oh, man, if I'm called on, I'm not going to be able to help myself. You know that. But it didn't go that way. I was called on. And just before that, the Lord spoke a scripture. And so I followed that direction. Wow. I was thankful. Because I really felt pretty strong about where I was supposed to. Okay, so anyway, hallelujah, got through that. Sunday, I ministered twice. The same thing, two different groups, two services. And uh, I want to just share a synopsis, if I could just take a few minutes. I don't want to take the whole thing and, and go through my notes and minister the, okay it has to do with the soul and I'm going to start where David or the psalmist said we are the offspring of God that means we are the well his offspring in, in the sense that when he created man from the dust of the ground, he breathed into him the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So it was the living soul, which is the eternal part of us, that is the offspring of God. In our flesh, we're not the offspring of God. We were made of the dust, and the Bible says we will return to the dust. 
okay? But the principle being is there is a part of every human being that is the eternal part, and it is the offspring of God. Now, I, I likened this unto a time as a young boy, I went to a youth camp. Uh, we lived in New Jersey. The camp was in upstate New York. We were very young. I might have been 10 or 11. And so I'd never been away, away, except I like Grandpa's farm. And so we went away to this camp, and it had all these great things, canoes, archery, mountain climbing, you name it, they had a list of activities that we were going to take place in. Anyway, day one was exciting. Day two was exciting. Day three was less exciting. Day four was, do we have to? <laughs> day five, I'm looking at the driveway. I'm looking for my mother's 69 Country Squire station wagon. Because I was so homesick at that point. I just wanted to go home. You couldn't entice me with a canoe, uh, <laughs> any activities. And so it stands out as the, I think, in my childhood is the, is the time that I felt homesick probably for the first time. And it was so strong, I realized nothing else could satisfy me except to go home. Okay. And so I relate this to being the offspring of my parent, my mother. My parents were separated, so it was mom. I wanted to just see mom coming down that driveway because now I was miserable. And I believe that the soul of all humanity. <clears throat> now, here's, here's the thing. The soul is cribbed inside this body. The soul has no say-so. The body makes choices. The body makes decisions. The body has direction and pursuit through life. The soul has to go along with our choices. But there's only one place that will bring satisfaction, fulfillment to the soul. And that's when it comes back into the company of its father, its maker. It's the eternal part. Cannot, cannot identify with the temporal and that which is going to return to the dust. But it, it waits. And it waits. And it waits. It wants. It desires. It longs. It's a part of our being that some would say, you know, I got this empty place inside and I, I don't even know why, but I've, you know, I've tried everything in life, but nothing seems to fill the empty spot. That is the soul. When a person, I can remember when I finally yielded to the drawing of God, returned to an altar and prayed and sought the Lord, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and the first thing out of my mouth was, I feel like I've come home. Now, I wasn't among people that I even knew. I wasn't even in a building I was familiar with. But my soul had come back. 
into the presence of its maker and had a reunion with God. Now, here's what I want to say about this. We have an unction from the Holy One. The Bible says that. We have an unction from the Holy One. We have inspiration. We have spiritual expression. Okay? And whether we're, we're there's times when, you know, we're not praising, we're not worshiping, which was excellent teaching on Sunday. We, uh, we're not singing a Christian song. But we have an unction from the Holy One. There is a gift of God that is an indwelling fountain and river of life. And it is spirit in nature. Now, some will say, yes, when you're in communion, when you're prayed up, you know, the gift is stirred and all that. And I'll give credence to that. But you've heard me tell the story about the taqueria, going to the taqueria, ordering a beef taco and some backslidden lady getting up and saying, who are you people? Okay. There was something that registered with her. It wasn't the words I said. I didn't say praise the Lord for beef tacos. I said, just give me a beef taco. But there was something that was released when I opened my mouth. And it transmits spiritual expression it transmits something identified in her now she already had the experience of having received the holy ghost she knew what that was and she said that to my wife when he opened his mouth i felt the holy ghost now <clears throat> that's somebody who already has the experience let's talk about the unbeliever whose life is empty they're walking through life. They don't have a clue spiritually. But inside here, there's an eternal part of God, which is the offspring of God, who waits and waits and waits for a day when there may come a reunion with God. What happens when they cross paths? I'll give me, I'm going to give you a for instance. My wife and I stopped at a gas station just to wipe the windshield off. Come up behind the gas pumps. Person gets out of the car in front of me. And I feel to say, now, I don't have to yield to that. You know, I could just. Right? I'm tired. I don't want to talk to anybody. See, I could not yield to what I felt to say. But I felt to say something to the person. I don't need any gas. I'm just cleaning the windshield. When I said that, I felt a release. Now, I have enough experience in life and walking with God. I know when that happens. I may not know every time. I knew it happened in that moment. And I thought, well, that's odd. Cleaned the windshield, got back in the car, started driving down the road. 
When I left the company of that individual, the Lord began to run this scenario with me and talk to me about that encounter. And this is the picture he painted. Person gets back in the car. Other people got back in their car. Did you see that guy? What guy? Well, he was parked right behind us. He was cleaning the windshield or something. Said he didn't need any gas. Didn't even see him. Get in a car, drive away. Why? He say something to you? Well, he just said he was, didn't need gas, and he was cleaning the windshield. And something registers. The Bible says that no man cometh to God except his spirit draw them. When is the contact... Of that soul with the voice of the Father. His spirit. When he comes in or she comes into contact with the believer. That opens their mouth. And there is something that releases from the eternal. Hear me. From the eternal. Not the humanity. Not my ideas. Not my thoughts. It's a release, it's a transfer that the, that the soul of a person says. I hear a voice. I'm not talking about in the ear. Something registers and a soul, all of a sudden it's been waiting, wanting, wishing to get back into the company of its maker. Has no choices. The body's making all the decisions. But now it's like, what was, what was that? Until the next time. There it is again. You ever wondered why people come around you and they just kind of want to be around you? They don't even know why. They just want to be in your company. We were talking about this with Brother Bartell. At the coffee shop. People coming in and they just want to stand there and talk with me. And I'm just talking back. You know, it's not church invitation evangelism. But there's something taking place that the soul of that individual is being fed, ministered to, wants to be just in the place of hearing because there's a voice. It's the voice of the Father. And the, and the soul is the offspring. I, I'm telling you, I can see that person driving away. You okay? You okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Just... And they begin to feel and think thoughts they've never thought before. And possibly there's a desire that begins in them to switch direction. Because the Bible speaks of men coming to repentance. That's a turn. The desires of all of, you know, what, which may have been completely in the opposite direction of God. Begin to make a... Gradual 
You know, and then the Lord brings another person. They're at the grocery store. Somebody speaks out and says something to them. And I'm, and I'm not just talking about somebody, a spirit-filled believer, because they have an unction from the Holy One. This is who we are. Listen, we're in this meeting. We had a leadership meeting up on the pass. 30, 30 people were there. When we opened the meeting, we said, let's pray. So we just took a few moments and prayed, and you know how we are. There were those that began to speak with tongues and pray in the Spirit, and you know, but, but it was real subdued. It was reserved. We were in a public venue. We were in a hotel setting. And we went on. We had a three-hour meeting. Now, three hours. Everybody began to leave. There was just a handful left in the room. And there's a lady that appears at the door. In her senior years, gray hair, Big smile on her face. Like, hey, I want to talk to you. <laughs> Come over here. And so I went over, and, you know, she said, your, your group of people, you begin to, uh, you were praying. Did I hear a native dialect? Could be. I said, are you familiar with the book of Acts? They were praying in the Spirit. They were speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave to them the utterance. And I went down this road of what I'm telling you right now. And it, by the time I was done, I said, I would submit to you that it wasn't the dialect. But there is, you have a soul. And your soul heard the voice of its father who waits around three hours to see whether or not it was a native dialect or not. She had flown in from Colorado. She was walking the Pacific Crest Trail with some friends and then she was flying home. And this was a moment God brought her to. She was sitting in the lobby of the hotel Heard our praying and something registered. And I'm telling you, it wasn't about the language. This, to me, this is a revelation and an understanding that we need to come to during this hour. During this time. We have an unction from the Holy One. Don't remain silent. Open your mouth. All the praise and the worship that you engage with. Let it, let it breathe out in your life. What was the song we keep singing? It's our breath, your breath, in our lungs. It ain't about oxygen. We have an unction from the Holy One. We have an unction from the Holy One. Get comfortable praying in the Spirit. Get comfortable communing with God because it will continue and abide and as a fountain, as a river, I don't care what kind of word you use, 
There's an outflow. There's an outflow. Stay engaged. I know you can disengage. I know you can. You can disengage and go about your day and your life and just completely disconnect. Or you can pray without ceasing. You can always be in a place of communing with God. That no matter where you are, what I'm trying to tell you is... It's not always going to be about words of evangelism. When the moment presents itself for that, we follow through with that. All right? But the idea that, that, that humanity has got to be drawn to God by His Spirit, that's just not going to be a rain cloud in the sky. He has a host of believers on the earth. And so in your workplace, in your workplace, you're the witness. You shall be witnesses unto me. That's the witness. One writer said that uh, the apostles, I forget how it says it. Some to the effect that they have witness of the Holy Ghost and great grace was upon them all. Anyway, my point being, they had a great power of witness. That wasn't the power to <laughs> evangelize or witness from that aspect. It is the obvious expression of God's Spirit in your life, our lives as believers. I don't know why, but God just continually impresses me with this in these last several weeks and situation and encounters that I've come into. Without question, I'm sure of it. We have a witness, and when we speak out, there it registers with the soul of a human being because that, that is the offspring of God. Amen? Oh, okay. Amen. It's wonderful being here tonight. Elder Flowers. Amen. Can we just stand and make, make that expression to the Lord as we close tonight? Father, we thank you for your spirit of ministry that is so evident here tonight, for the witness of the Holy Ghost, God, that we feel that we are partakers of, Jesus. I want to be involved, God, in this time, in this hour, as your witness, as, as your voice, Father, in my job, in, in the grocery store, at the gas pump. God, there's nothing too hard for you, and you can flow through any vessel that is willing, any vessel that will open our mouths. And I thank you, Jesus, for the faith that was released here tonight. I thank you for your virtue, Father, and I pray it would be loosed on every individual that is here and go with us in faith and boldness. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.
Jesus' name. Amen. Have a blessed rest of your evening, and we will see